0: What up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNBR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. As always, I'm Justin Michael. And today we're going to talk about some college football futures. There are some lines out for the week zero and week one matchups over on DraftKings Sportsbook. So we're going to get into that a little bit, talk about. Uh, some opportunities to make money on some of these Mountain West matchups in particular. Now we're going to talk about the best pizza places in Fort Collins. The Barstool CSU account posted. It was not a good list of their top five pizza establishments. I think some of it was probably to uh, draw an engagement, which they did exactly that. So kudos to them. But I think it's just a fun offseason topic. There is a ton of and I mean a ton of good pizza in Fort Collins. I actually talked about this for like well over an hour on the Ram Sanity show one time with my buddies a couple years back. But we live in an ever-changing world. So I'm going to go through some of my favorites and kind of break down the reasoning. This is, this is a layered conversation, guys. You know, when you're talking about pizza, all pizza is good. Even the worst pizza is still better than most things in life. But you've got to factor in taste and quality and convenience and ambiance. if it's a sit-down spot. So, I mean, there's there's a ton to go into. So I'm going to dive into all of that. I should add a uh, bit of a pizza snob, worked at three different pizza places while I was in college, and it's my favorite food. So, I mean, I eat it all the time. This is, this is an informed list I have put together here. A lot of research, a lot of man hours put in, you know, grinding, <laughs> eating pizza, but it, it'll be fun, and uh, it's just a nice little off-season c- uh, topic, I guess. Like I said, uh, before we dive into all this, got to shout out the homies over at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's favorite sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NBA as well. Right now, new customers can bet just five dollars on any team to win, and get one hundred and fifty dollars in free bets if they do. If you want to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs, do it with the same-game parlay. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds. Boom, you've got a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg does not hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up so that they know that we sent you. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win. Get $150 in free bets when they do. That promo code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, We do have some numbers from David Roddy at the NBA Combine. Uh, 10.75 seconds in lane agility. That's second amongst power forwards. 3.1 second shuttle run. Uh, A fourths court sprint came in at 3.07 seconds. That was first amongst all power forwards. That's good to see. A 35.5-inch max vertical leap. That was second amongst power forwards. A 27-inch standing vertical leap. You know, came in at 6'6", but with a 7-foot wingspan. I mean, he has tested really, really well. And he's got a couple of workouts this week. He uh, works out with the Indiana Pacers, as well as the Orlando Magic. And uh, Orlando, especially, I feel like is a a team to keep an eye on. They've got a ton of draft picks. They have a ton of young talent. Also, a lot of players that could kind of be moved within the next year or two. I I do think Orlando is a team that Roddy could make, which that would be great for him. I like Cole Anthony. You know, I like RJ Hampton. I think they have some intriguing young pieces to work with down there. You know, they might get, uh, Chet Holmgren or Jabari Smith, depending on what they ultimately do, you know, in, in the taco picks. And there's just, there's a lot of options there. And from that standpoint, I, I do like it for Roddy. I just worry that You know, we we talked about it a lot, especially before the NFL draft with Trey McBride. You just, you don't want him to end up on a franchise that seems to just on a year-to-year basis be a dumpster fire, and that's definitely the magic they have been. You know, it just feels like every other year they're replacing their coach and their GM and half their roster. It's, It's pretty tough to, it's pretty tough to break out down there. At least it has been for players the last 20 years or so. It's just basically been in a relevant franchise. I mean, I know they had the finals run in 2009 with Dwight Howard, but that was pretty fluky. I mean, really most of my life, you'd have to go back to like Tracy McGrady when T Mac was there post Toronto. They were kind of fun. A couple of playoff runs, and then obviously, you know, they, they had the little run with Dwight Howard there, one finals appearance, but It's just basically been a disaster of a franchise for most of my life. So I I would kind of hate that for David. And the thing that I would really hate is just not being able to watch him. But yeah, the benefit, you know, is maybe you're on a a team that doesn't get as much attention. You kind of have an opportunity to grow. There's always pros and cons. I mean, at this point, we don't even know uh, 100% whether he is going to stay in the draft or not. I've had a lot of people, you know, tweet at me asking for my gut on this and I've talked about it a lot on the podcast. There's obviously a lot of factors to consider. You know, Ultimately, if he's going to get guaranteed money, I think that would be really hard to walk away from. And At this point, I think he's cl- a lot closer to guaranteed money than I would have guessed he would be coming into the, the pre-draft evaluation process. I do think there's still a chance that he comes back, just given his relationship with CSU, uh, with his teammates, with these coaches. You know, I I know it left a bad taste in their mouth not winning the Mountain West. They want to make it a run in the NCAA tournament. I mean, these are all things that you know it would feel it would feel unsettled, you know, or, or unfinished, excuse me. And that's kind of one of the things that David talked about on my podcast. You know, he's like, I've never really left anything early, so that would be weird. But you know, he also kind of just has to evaluate the situation and and do what's best for him. You know, personally, I don't think that. Outside of getting injured, his draft stock would decline, other than if you're factoring in age, which is always a possibility with some teams. You know, I, I think if he's viewed as a, you know, early to mid second round guy now, he would probably be viewed as that next year as well. But there's certainly no guarantee. And I mean, as I've already laid out, his numbers were phenomenal and You know, they could dip a little bit, and then all of a sudden you're a a middle of the pack second round, you know, mid to late second round versus, you know, early to mid. The money changes, the roster security changes as well. I mean, there's just, there's so many factors you have to consider and it's going to be a really tough one for David, but it's also really exciting. I mean, this was the goal. you know, obviously they wanted to go further last year than they did, but... You know, he's still a, a six-seed in NCAA tournament, you know, finish the regular season in the top 25. As he said on in a couple of interviews now, you know, the, the hope was always to leave CSU better than, you know, when he came. And whether that's this offseason or next offseason, that's, you know, going to be true. But uh, we've been talking about this, you know, ad nauseum for the last two weeks or so, so I'm just going to move on. We will monitor it. Uh, David has until June 1st to decide if he wants to come back to school or not no matter what he decides, you know, Ram fans should be happy for him. And, you know, it's going to be an an indication of the success that CSU's had as a program these last couple of years. And then, obviously, David Roddy individually, I mean, he came into CSU with just a ton of hype. Like, it's really hard when when you are as hyped up as a recruit as David Roddy was. It's almost impossible to live up to the expectations that, you know, fans build up in their heads. I talk about this all the time with, with football, with basketball. You know, recruiting wasn't as as closely followed, especially because of the the Eustace era. He just didn't recruit, but Roddy was kind of like that first high profile recruit of the Medved era, and really generated excitement. You know, I remember breaking the the news on his visit, and people being stoked that he was on campus for the football game, and there was just this sense of hope and excitement, you know, he was kind of viewed as the savior and, you know, him and Isaiah and obviously John and Deshaun and, and James and all those guys, they come in and they help turn the program around and, you know, David and, and, you know, Isaiah, they, they played, you know, some of the biggest parts in that, but it was a team effort. I've just always been so impressed with the way David's been able to, to handle the spotlight and the pressure and the responsibility that comes with that. You know, when you're, You come in and everybody thinks you're going to be this, you know, hot shot player that's going to come in and help establish success nine times out of 10. It just doesn't work out. David's not only lived up to it. I think he's probably outplayed people's wildest expectations. I mean, he's truly been one of the most special players of all time, you know, and I hope that, you know, selfishly, I I hope we get to see him in Moby more. But I'm also, you know, really looking forward to whether it's this summer or next summer, you know, turning on that first summer league game and, you know, seeing him in an NBA setting, you know, playing with NBA talent, representing the Rams, putting them back on the map. Been a long, long time since Jay Smooth was, you know, out there making everybody stoked. Um, but yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on, I think start getting into some of these futures here. Let's completely change tunes and start talking about some of these week zero and uh, Week 1 lines for the Mountain West. The conference winner odds are not listed yet, but Boise State has the best odds to win the national title in the Mountain West, according to DraftKings. That is listed at 40000 A $1 bet would pay $401. For reference, the uh, second-best odds, Utah State at plus $60,000. Fresno State was around there somewhere. If you're asking me, you know, team that I think is most capable in the Mountain West, at least in the preseason of making a run like that, it would probably be the Bulldogs, man. They returned 78% of their production from last season. That is the most in the Mountain West. They have the best quarterback in the conference in Jake Hayner. They did lose Ronnie Rivers, but they still have Jalen Cropper at wide receiver. Just a ton of talent on that team. They're explosive and their experience, you know, going through what they went through last season is, is really gonna pay dividends. I think, you know, they already were battle tested and, you know, really competitive game against Oregon and obviously their comeback victory over UCLA in the Rose Bowl was one of the more exciting games in all of college football last season. I just I'm really intrigued by Fresno State. So that's that's probably gonna be my preseason pick to to win the conference. I was a little surprised that Boise State you know, had the best odds to win the national title. I think that's kind of based on name brand, which is, you know, that was what I talked about last year going into the conference when Boise State was the the preseason betting favorite. I was like, this is all on on name recognition. And I actually like Boise State better this year than I did last year, but I still wouldn't put them at the, the top of the chain. If you're curious, uh, CSU plus 200,000 to win the national championship. A ten dollar bet would pay twenty grand. That's crazy. Twenty grand, according to Vegas, CU's odds twice as likely at plus one hundred thousand, but obviously still a significant long shot. And interesting that you know Boise State at plus forty thousand, while you know the University of Colorado, the proud and mighty or whatever, won't won't be trusted with timid. I don't know this thing. I was trying to mock him, but I I don't know this thing. Interesting, though, that there's that many Mountain West teams with significantly better odds to win the national championship than CU. I mean, it just kind of shows how far that program has fallen in the last 25 years. Anyways, whenever DraftKings gets the, the odds up for uh, who's going to win the Mountain West Conference, we'll dive into that. But since we have the Week 0 and Week 1 lines, I thought it would be fun to just kind of dip into them and see if there's any matchups we could potentially cash in on some early value. And uh, one of the teams that has really, really has me interested is Hawaii. Now, they only returned 28% of their offensive production from last season, which ties with Nevada for dead last in the entire country. What's interesting to me, though, is Nevada and Hawaii, they both return only 28% of their offensive production, obviously. Uh, a lot of Nevada's offensive production now representing other schools in the conference, CSU and a San Jose State mostly, mostly CSU, but a couple of guys ended up at at San Jose. A couple of receivers. They also picked up Hawaii's quarterback Chevin Cordero, so they're going to kind of be a hybrid of <laughs> Nevada and Hawaii. A lot of lot of inner movement. It's been weird. You had quarterback go from Utah State to Wyoming, a quarterback go from Wyoming to Utah State, Nevada to CSU. It was it was really unprecedented, but. Anyways, what was interesting to me is despite Nevada and Hawaii both returning only 28% of their production and both playing in Week 0 and Week 1, Nevada is double-digit favorites in both of their first two games, while Hawaii is underdogs in both of their games, even with both of them being at home. In Week 0, Hawaii hosts Vanderbilt, sound familiar, and they're six-point dogs at home. That's shocking to me. I mean, the island is is one of the best home field advantages in, in all of college football. Now, obviously, they've got kind of a wonky situation with their stadium, but, I mean, Vanderbilt's not anybody to be feared. I'll be back in the Warriors to win. I'll take the money line straight up, just take them in the upset, but I certainly love them to, to cover at home in that scenario. Like, maybe they lose a tight game by a field goal or something if it went to overtime, you know, 13-10, something wonky like that. But I have a really hard time seeing Vanderbilt going in week zero across the country and like stomping Hawaii on their on their own turf, even even with all the unknown. You know, you don't know what Hawaii's offense is going to look like, but, you know, the vibes are going to be significantly better with Timmy Chang than they were with Graham. So, yeah, I, I love Hawaii in week zero, and I think there's potentially some money to be made in week one as well. When they're eleven point underdogs at home against Western Kentucky, now Western Kentucky obviously been one of the more electric offenses in college football over the last decade or so. But I mean, they're going to have to replace their quarterback Bailey Zappi. And again, I just I have a hard time seeing somebody come all the way across the country, over the ocean, and beating Hawaii by double digits early in the season. You know, it just rarely, rarely happens that way. I think there's a great opportunity to make some money backing Hawaii early here as underdogs in their first two games at home. And kind of on the flip side, I think you might want to fade Nevada a little bit, just just given the fact that, I mean, they are 15-point favorites at New Mexico State, who's terrible, but they are going to be coached by Jerry Kill, who I respect a lot. I mean, you expect Nevada to win that game in Week 0, but... I could see a scenario at home where New Mexico State just kind of hangs around and, you know, loses by two touchdowns or something and just gets a, a late score to, to backdoor cover or something like that. And then, you know, week week one, Nevada plays Texas State. They're 10-point favorites at home. I like them at home to cover that a lot more than I like them to cover 15 on the road at NMSU. At a, NMSU, excuse me. But it was just interesting to me that Vegas seems so out on Hawaii at home, and they're all in on Nevada, despite you know not returning any more production. You know, obviously, just as much in flux. Weird. I mean, they're they're definitely playing worse teams than Hawaii is, but I, I just think the travel factor, especially early in the year when it's August and it's hot and, and muggy, and you're jet lagged. I mean, they're coming from Nashville and you know Western Kentucky, like. It's it's gonna be a brutal trip for both of those teams. I I really, I really think there's a good opportunity to make money on Hawaii early. Uh Utah State in week zero, 25 and a half point favorites against Yukon. Yukon's been absolutely terrible. Uh, they hired Jim Mora this offseason. We shall see. Uh Utah State, you know, they they lost a lot of production as well. I don't know, man. Like 25 and a half is, is pretty heavy. I do like the Aggies to win that game, but it, it would not surprise me if the Huskies ended up covering the spread just because, you know, Utah State, it, it's going to be tough to replicate what they did last year with three of their top receivers having moved on. They also lost their electric returner, Savon Scarver. I'm, I'm interested to see, is it Levi Williams, the Wyoming transfer that ends up starting for them on, At quarterback, do they continue to go with the Arkansas State kid? I mean, there's there's a lot of options there. But I think potentially asking them to win by four scores, even against a a terrible team like UConn in Week 0, just given given how many new pieces they're going to have, could be a tall task, just something to keep in mind. Uh, Rounding out the other Week 0 matchup for the Mountain West, we have Wyoming, 10-point underdogs at Illinois, Look, Illinois, I mean, it's, it's not like they're anything to, to fear as far as the Big Ten teams go. They're probably one of the more uh, beatable Power 5 programs that there are out there. Wyoming, though, I mean, outside of Nevada and uh, Hawaii, they returned the third least amount of production in the entire country, only 35% of their offensive production. I mean, they lost uh, Xavier and their running back, went to Arizona State, Isaiah Nayor, their wide receiver. Uh, ended up at Texas. They had a couple other guys end up in other P five programs. I mean, it was a it was a tough offseason for for the Pokes. I should add, by the way, all of these offensive production numbers, courtesy of Bill Connolly. Uh, he writes for ESPN. Does great stuff. Great follow, especially for early season betting, just because he does a ton of different content uh, regarding production lost and and added. Really, just one of those guys you want to follow. When you're doing your preseason homework, you know, along with Phil Steele and and all that, I always look forward to getting my Phil Steele magazine. And a week one, CSU, they opened as 27-point underdogs. The last I checked on DraftKings, already up to 28. If you are curious, back in 2007, Appalachian State, 33-point underdogs when they pulled that upset over the blue. The Rams going to open as looking like four touchdown dogs against a team that will very likely be in the top four of the AP poll in the preseason. I mean, they they got to replace a, a ton of talent on the defensive line. Obviously, you know, David Ajabo, Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, they lose Daxton Hill, a phenomenal safety in the back end. They they lose some guys in the backfield. But it's still Michigan, and they signed a really impressive recruiting class that features a couple of four-star uh, defensive backs. They signed an elite linebacker. They're going to be really good. It's going to be a really tough task, and I mean, anytime you're playing in the biggest stadium in the country, it's going to be a bit of an intimidating atmosphere. So we'll kind of see how Clay Millen and and the boys are able to handle that. the The benefit, obviously, is there's really not any pressure on you at this point. Nobody expects CSU to do anything in this scenario. You can just kind of go play free, and if you represent well, you know, it can kind of be a confidence booster. That was one of the things Richard Higgins talked about, you know, after going down and, and playing Alabama in 2013. You just kind of see like, hey, I, I if I can go against these guys, you know, I can go against Utah State and go against Wyoming. You know, if you can go against that type of talent, you can go against anyone. And quite honestly, the, the difference in talent at certain positions, not quite as drastic as, as you might think where it gets. Really significant is just kind of the size gap in the trenches, the speed at linebacker running back. That's kind of where you see the the biggest difference. It's not necessarily, you know, like CSU's had really elite wide receivers. You know, you can get elite talent at the skill positions in the G5 as well. It's kind of the trenches and some of the stuff you wouldn't quite think about. Week one, Wyoming, after playing um, Illinois in week zero, they will host Tulsa. Currently two-point underdogs at home. Interesting there. We'll see how Wyoming looks in week zero, but I-, I would probably back the pokes at home in this scenario. Wyoming was terrible in non-conference play last year. They, they won a lot of the games, but it was just... They, they came out of the gate so slow, and they, they let a lot of bad teams kind of hang around. I'll be interested to see what kind of start they get off to this year. And a week one, Boise State, three-and-a-half-point underdogs at Oregon State potentially chance to back the Broncos. I know CSU fans don't love doing it, but I do like Boise in that matchup. Although, I kind of struggle with Oregon State. They were so up and down last year. They lost that weird game to CU, but they beat Arizona State and Stanford, lost to Utah State in the Las Vegas Bowl, or the Jimmy Kimmy ugh, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Kimmy Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl, excuse me. Oh, they're a weird team. But I, I do think Boise State, given that they return seventy-three percent of their offensive production, you got Hank Bachmeyer back. I mean, you do have to replace Khalil Shakir on the outside, which is going to be tough. But a big year for Boise State. I think after kind of letting the the fan base down, if they're not in contention for a championship, there it'll be will uh, be interesting to see how uh, how tense things get regarding job security. San Diego State, seven-point favorites over Arizona at home in week one. I always love backing the Aztecs against Pac-12 teams. It's a near lock in basketball and football over the last five years. Arizona's going to be interesting. They added Washington State's quarterback via the transfer portal. A lot of new pieces. Uh, you know, tough to kind of forecast how good they are going to be, but they have been terrible these last couple of years, one would think. Probably a nice chance for the Aztecs to pick up a Pac-12 win there early. Week one, Utah State, 36-point underdogs at Alabama. Yeesh. Uh, we shall see. I mean, like I said, Utah State losing a ton of offensive production. I'm a Bama guy. I think Bama's going to be really good. I, I, I mean, Will Anderson came on defensively. Obviously, Bryce Young at quarterback. I really think they were a year early last year, and I know, I know college football fans hate hearing stuff like that, but they're going to be super good. 36 is pretty steep, though. I, I might be tempted to, to tease the Aggies there just to cover the spread. And we already talked about this one, but Hawaii 11-point underdogs against Western Kentucky at home. Still have plenty of time, obviously, but we're within 100 days of the college football season, guys. I mean, it's going to be here before we know it. Cannot wait. All right. We are going to uh, wrap up here with some thoughts on the top pizza establishments in Fort Collins. Although we're already 25 minutes in, so I might just kind of do the expedited version of this and then rehash it through when I get a guest on later this week. Maybe we'll get Aaron Harris back on to rehash the conversation or Kevin Lytle. I don't know. Somebody who is very familiar with Fort Collins, much like myself. But if you're in the metro area, hit up Sexy Pizza. With 13 years in the Denver community, Sexy Pizza, they are as local as it gets. A hand-tossed deck oven pizza with made from scratch each morning dough. Choose your own adventure with their wide range of toppings or try one of their signature philanthropies. A portion of every sale of these five specialty pies is donated to a range of different nonprofits right here in Colorado. Gotta love that. If you want Sexy Pizza to support your organization or event, Go to www.sexy.pizza, check out their about page for the donations link, see how Sexy Pizza can support your cause. If you are just looking for some grub, though, maybe you're watching the Avs, maybe you're watching golf, there really are no better options in the metro area with a 12-inch, 16-inch, or 18-inch crust. Sexy Pizza is sure to be the right fit. Add on all the fix-ins with wings, salads, pastas, knots, dessert options, and more. Don't forget about their vegan options. They've got a delicious 12-inch gluten-free crust. You've got yourself a can't-miss hit no matter what you go with. Stop by any of their four Denver locations in Capitol Hill, Old South Pearl, Jefferson Park, or Park Hill, and if you're out in Trinidad, they just opened a fifth location out there as well. Go to www.sexy.pizza. Check it all out today. All right, all right, all right. Like I said, I think we're just going to do the expedited version. I could have gone full nerd mode on this, but... We're already like 30 minutes in, and I know you guys are busy, and you got things to do. The Barstool CSU account posted a list which included Domino's and Blackjack. It it was just not good. It, It was not a good top five list. Now, I do think there was some gamesmanship going on here. You know, I think somebody recognized there is... There's benefits in in making a controversial list if your entire goal is engagement, and they did exactly that. But I, I just kind of wanted to go through this process and talk about some of my favorite pizza places. Uh, give a couple of recommendations before we dive into it, though. I do want to clarify: I'm not trying to shame anyone here. You know, people can get kind of nasty when it comes to this type of stuff. Like, oh my God! Like, I can't believe you would eat, you know, trash pizza like Domino's or whatever, and Quite frankly, I'll eat it all—Domino's, Blackjack, Pizza Hut, whatever. There's a place for all of them. I'll eat a Totino's. You know, I—that'd I, be a whole nother podcast if you want to rank the—the the, the frozen pizzas. That's even harder than, than ranking the restaurants because there's a lot of different factors to consider. But you know, my point is, I like chain pizza. Isn't my favorite? No, but there are times where I just want a cheap, fast you know, convenient option. And that's, you know, what Domino's and Blackjack and all those type of places are. On top of that, you know, I I grew up on all that kind of stuff. So nostalgia seeps in and it it makes me happy, but I don't know. I just, I don't understand why everyone has to go get so hostile when it comes to this type of stuff. You see it with fast food debates all the time or beer, you know, some people like, I love Coors banquet beer. I also, you know, I'll, I'll drink a Budweiser. I'll drink, you know, a, a fancy lager or, you know, a, something seasonal too. But I just don't know why everyone has to get so nasty about it. Or like the the in and out debate, you know, people, oh, In-N-Out's so overrated. And is In-N-Out the best cheeseburger that I've ever had? No. But is it a really good option for five bucks? Yep. There's layers and, and nuance to all of this. And I think... At times we try and make it too black and white. That's all I'm trying to say. Anyways, uh for for my top five list, I, I didn't include the chains like Domino's, you know, Pizza Hut, Blackjack, uh, Garlic Knot, Old Chicago. Again, I like all of them. You know, I really like garlic knot and, and old Chicago kind of has a has a, a little bit of a following with some of the older Fort Collins residents. Um I know my dad used to go there in the nineties especially, but my, my favorite place, my favorite pizza place in Fort Collins is Crazy Carl's. Now, it's, it's not like the greatest pizza I've ever had in my life. I wouldn't say that. But when you factor in price, when you factor in variety, when you factor in convenience, it wins all of them. And on top of that, it's my favorite place to dine in in Fort Collins. The Timberline location is the best place to watch sports in town. And it's just a really good pizza. You know, you got the, the buttery crust. They've got a nice wide variety of toppings, great pepperoni. You can't beat beat the clock. I mean, beat the clock is the best deal in Fort Collins. Between 5 and 7 p.m., uh, Mondays and Thursdays, whatever time you call, that's how much you pay for a large one-topping pizza. I mean, I lived on this for four straight years in, in college. Sometimes I did it twice a week. Like, Crazy Carl's is the shit good friends with Nate Haas, the owner. You know, I'm, I'm ride or die. I'm ride or die. They sponsored Graham's Report, which was my individual site back before I went to DNVR three years ago. I mean, I, I will fight for Crazy Carl's forever. Their spicy ranch. Everyone loves to hype up Cosmos. Carl's has better spicy ranch. They do. Trust me. I am a pizza nerd. They got great wings. They got great dessert options. I mean, the, the grinders they have, which are kind of like calzones, are phenomenal. I just, you, you can't go wrong with Crazy Carl's. They, they proudly support CSU Athletics, you know I mean? If you're a CSU fan, you have to love Carl's, right? The question is, is where do you go after Carl's? Who's the second best pizza in Fort Collins? And, you know, that, that one is tough. Now, th- there's a lot of different options you got to factor in a location. You got to factor in price. You got to factor in just what type of pizza you prefer. I mean, this is where you start to get kind of individual, I think. But for me, it's panhandlers. It's one of Fort Collins staple, but a deep dish, thick, buttery crust. They have really good tasting pepperoni, probably the best tasting pepperoni in town that I've had so far. But I, I just love a good deep dish crust. I mean, it's Like, kind of like that Detroit style, just really, really buttery, really filling. Like, it's you know, it's Carl's is a lot thinner. You know, I could probably eat, you know, an entire crazy Carl's pizza, no problem. Not gonna be able to eat an entire panhandler's pizza, just very different. Where I go for number three, I think it's gonna be JJ's, and I think it's the biggest sleeper in town, wood fired pizza. They've got, you know, some great options, you know, if you want something with like prosciutto or something like that. A bunch of different kinds of cheeses. And it's just so funny because I mean, it's like attached to a gas station, you know, way on the west side of town. You wouldn't think it, but I mean, it's some of the best wood-fired pizza I've I've ever had. I really love it. A little bit pricier. And that's why it drops down on the list, but it's high-quality ingredients and it's worth paying it. It really is. For me at number four, I've got Mamaroni's. They've got a couple of different locations. Back when I worked at for the uh, football team, I used to eat Mamaroni's like three days a week. Uh, some people online did tweet at me saying that the quality has gone down a little bit over the years. And that'd be a bummer. I mean, I was still eating it really frequently, even like this time last year. So I guess, I mean, it would have to be within like the last six months. But they have the uh, the best sausage in town, in my opinion. I I love a good Italian sausage. It's really easy to mess up. Like frozen pizza Italian sausage is nasty. Uh usually chain restaurant sausage is nasty. But that that's if you go to a pizza place and they've got a good Italian sausage, you know, you know you're at a good spot. And that's the case with all the top four places, Carl's, Panhandler's, JJ's. They all do it right, but nobody does it better than Mamaroni's little bit thicker of a crust thicker pizza than Carl's not like the deep pan like pan handlers but a little bit doughier you know it's not Bojo's but I don't know there's it's just kind of like a classic thick pizza for for my money I would also say that they have the best calzone in town DP dough, solid really good not as good as Mama At five, and this this was the toughest one for me, because you could go Pizza Cosba, which I think is the closest thing to the pizza in the extremely goofy movie, you know, like the big cheesy slice, like Pizza Cosba is the closest thing in my life that I've ever experienced to, to having that type of pizza, the big old cheap, you know, cheese slice thin, it's great when you're drunk, great if you're, you know, freshman on campus having a great night. I ended up going with Bojo's and I struggle with this one because to be honest, I do think Bojo's is a little bit overrated. It's mostly dough, but I think they have a really good tasting sauce. They have high quality ingredients. Get a little more cheese on there. That, that, that would be my biggest complaint. But outside of Carl's, I would say Bojo's is probably my favorite spot to dine in at Fort Collins. Uh, obviously, the, the location over there and in North Old Town, it's just it's a nice spot. I really like it. Uh, Honorable mention, Cosba. You could throw a slice in there. Uh, I really like Pulsanella over on. uh, Pulcinella? Pulsanella? I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Over there on Shields. Cosmos is really popular. I don't get it. It's one, it's Boulder based, but also it's really cheap uh, cheese. And it's just meh pizza to me. Like it's. To me, it's barely better than Sparrow. And I just don't understand why people hop up, hype up Cosmos as this like phenomenal pizza. Again, I'll eat it, you know, I'll eat any pizza, but it's, it's meh and it's, yeah, it's, it's convenient for lunch or if you have a big drunk group, because you can get the massive, massive pizzas. But other than that, I don't know. I just think there's like six or seven places I'd rather go in Fort Collins, but again, teach their own I've heard really good things about the pizza at Surfside Seven. I've never had it, but I'm gonna have to go check that out. Totally 80s is okay, pretty good. Panino's pretty solid as well. Although I'm probably not doing pizza if I'm at Panino's. And uh, same with Nick's. You know, they but they both have okay pizza. It's just they do both do pasta and other things better. Anyways, those are my favorite places in Fort Cons. If you disagree with me, you are wrong. <laughs> probably a better conversation to do with someone because then you can debate and like go back and forth and me just kind of ranting but I am a pizza nerd and uh, anytime you guys want to talk pizza I'm always down always down to meet you for pizza too like if you're ever like hey Justin you want to meet up in Fort Collins suggest a pizza place the odds of me coming will go up significantly all right, that's all we have for today's podcast. We will keep you up to date throughout the week. We're going to have fun with some off-season content. Um, been working on some long-form written stuff, position previews. Excited to get some of that out this week. I know I've been a little bit light on the written content these past couple weeks, but that's the thing about doing the, the long-form stuff is it just it takes time. You know, you don't want to just rush it all out for the sake of getting it. I'd rather you know deliver you guys as much quality as possible. But uh, like I said, that's all I have for today. Go Avs! Would love to see Nazem Kadri score another goal and uh, put that trash franchise in their place. I really hate the Blues. I don't know what it is about St. Louis and the Blues, but I cannot stand them. To like a personal level, like it's I I don't know. I just can't stand them. So go Avs! Uh, if you live in St. Louis, I hate your city. Sorry, not sorry. Much love. Peace.
1: Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as Mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies. My daddy played the drums, my mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water together make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father. One day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I wanna be. I got blood on my shirt, like I wear my heart on my sleeve. She said I look good in red, but that went straight to my head. So now. She's rocking my teeth, tucked into new prodigies And we ain't spoken a month, but I just saw her last week The lipstick stain still on my cheek like we ain't talking enough And we always seem to laugh but never nod at us So the future's looking grim, it's kinda ominous And this song ain't about love, that'd be too obvious See, this is more about lust and all of my misconceptions And this is more about me and all of my self-deception I'll tell myself a lie, 100 times don't need corrections But every night I pray to God, I hope I learn my lesson and the pieces out from Palisade. And they sweet as mama's marmalade And this should sound like summer days The windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies My daddy played the drums And my mama slapped that bass And my sister sang these songs Dancing hand in hand We were tripping to left feet Like a middle school slow dance No one knew how to lead But I'm so thankful for these days They put a smile on my face Flirt with me when you're bored That's what I'm here for Talk to me softly Till I get a little more Attached to the fact That you reply so quickly Dash and retract Only when you get sick of me, sit back reminiscing back to when I got them digits I swear I need a witness or somebody quick with pinches, I was out there floating all them feelings felt indigenous to places I don't visit, Hard eyes when I'm grinning, hard eyes in them emojis you said you won't be on me, I said you won't be lonely, you can't count on me like a bank teller counter. ain't never felt prouder, never holding back, don't got a front when I'm around her, I wanna listen more like maybe I should say less, I'm not sure how to make an album, this is just my best My best friends are producers, send me beats, I bump the playlist Imagine all the hours Ableton was stuck on repeat All for me to rap about some girls who didn't like me SB4 fours and stupid bars all wrote on loose leaf I weigh a lot on promises that sound like maybes My contacts still just numbers but in person call me baby Like why I fall in love with every girl that wanna date me Introspective but scatterbrained on the daily I'll make a tape with the homies and rap the same thing I know it's just rhymes, but it sounds like everything. And the peaches out from Palisade. Uh, and they sweet as mama's marmalade. And this shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family bands like harmonies. My daddy played the drums, and my mama slapped that bass. My sister sang these songs. Dancing hand in hand, we were tripping to left feet like a middle school slow dance. No one knew how to leave, but I'm still thankful for these days. They put a smile on my face.